Hey, James 3 says this. Do not become teachers in large numbers, my brothers, since you know that we, are, we who are teachers will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to reign in the whole body as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their whole body as well. Look at the ships too. Though they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are nevertheless directed by a very small rudder wherever the inclination of the pilot determines. So also the tongue is the small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire, and the tongue is a fire. The very world of unrighteousness, the tongue is set among our body's parts as that which defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one among mankind can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, these things should not be this way. Does a spring send, does a spring send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brothers and sisters, bear olives, or a vine bear figs? Nor can salt water produce fresh. That was James 3, 1 through 12. And I do apologize that that was the NASB. So if you're standing here and wondering what that was, that was the ESV. So NASB gang for the win. <laughs> no, that was great. Uh, hey, everybody. Good evening. How are you? Oh, good. Okay, great. Two of you are well. Um, my name's RD. It's great to be here. Uh, to, uh, tonight uh, is a title, is, uh, put my title up there, it's an amazing title. And honestly, if you get this, you get the point of the whole message. And everybody gets a Band-Aid when you leave tonight. So you get a Band-Aid, and you get a Band-Aid, and you get a Band-Aid, everybody gets a Band-Aid. Yeah, somewhere in the back, Brian's going to have them, somebody's going to have them. So yes, grab them. Uh, and uh, the title of the talk is uh, Band-Aids and Swords, and tonight I'm, I'm going to talk about words. And so uh, a, uh, this is going to be just on the bottom, the bottom shelf, I hope a very practical talk about words uh, that um, is convicting for me, and it, I'm just going to be, it will, it'll convict you. It'll convict you. It will. And uh, I'm not sure how a, how a message on words is not going to convict you, but I hope that it also is going to be very life-giving uh, for you as well. So... James 3 from the, uh, the ESV, the elect, the elect version, uh, is uh, yeah, always, especially someone teaching that verse 1, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It's just one of those verses they put before you, you know, in case you ever want to preach God's word to be like, just make sure you know that verse. And I do know that verse, uh, but it is one that keeps me extremely, extre- I hope, humble in preaching God's word because there's a higher standard when you're, when you're preaching, when you're sharing God's word, there's a higher standard for that. Um, so the, the part I want to focus on tonight, there's so much good in, in this passage. Um, the, the big thing is this, at the end of James chapter 3, uh, verse 10, uh, James writes, he says, from the same mouth come blessing and cursing. 
the same mouth come blessing and cursing, AKA uh, band-aids and swords. And we'll get to the proverb that that uh, amazing title is from uh, in a second. But that, that is the power of words. And in scripture, words do two things. They bless people or they curse people, right? Uh, the words of Jesus bless and the words of Satan curse. And then we all fall into these uh, ways of talking and, and sharing and texting all of the time, blessing or, uh, or cursing. Um, and, and words... Words are so powerful, and I'm going to uh, start tonight's talk by um, using some foul language, okay? And it's, it is to prove a point, all right? So if you're, you know, I'm just going to say the words, all right? So my two, my oldest daughters, uh, Allie knows uh, since she watches them sometimes, um, are nine years old. And recently, they learned uh, three different uh, curse words. And we, we found out that they learned these words. I know. I can't believe it. Can you believe it? My innocent children. And here they are. And um, so we were like, what do we do? You know? And you could take a lot of approaches. We knew that they knew some of these words. And so we just decided to kind of gather them in the living room and be like, hey, what words did you guys hear? And then talk about like what they mean versus being like, shh, don't ever say those words again, which makes you want to say those words over and over and over again, uh, or make it a bigger deal than it was, you know? Um, and so here are the, the words, okay? And I, I say these not to be gratuitous, but for, for a purpose, okay? Uh, shit, bitch, and damn. All right, those were the words. Now, words probably a lot of you have used, right? Or you know people that have used them. It strikes differently when your nine-year-old uh, daughters say them and have no real context for what they mean. Right? They don't know what they mean, they just heard them. And so what we did is walk through each one of those words and said what they mean, why people use them, and how harmful and hurtful they are. When you call someone a piece of, this is what it means, this is why people say it. And Macy, she was like, why would you ever say that to somebody? That's like the meanest thing in the world. And then we went through other ones, you know, just the B word, like, well, this is, this is where it comes from. And, and this is why people say it. And, and this is how evil and bad it is. And, um, and, and then damn is this word that isn't actually the Bible, but it has this awful connotation, awful meaning of, of separation from God. And so they were just like, I mean, Camille, she was like, wow, these are like really bad words. <laughs> And there was this point where I was, I was just this somewhat as um, those of you, if you become parents one day, that your kids, as they grow up, they, the innocence that they have uh, is intersects with the world and how people use words. And even at nine years old, ha having people around them that use words in, in ways that are very harmful uh, already had an impact on them. And you know, for, for, for me, it was a great opportunity to share with the girls and talk with them and know that there'll be more conversations like that. But here's, here's why I tell you that. Because what we told our girls was, hey, um, you can use these words, you can say these words, um, or you can choose not to use words like this. You can use other words. Right? And we want to be a family. We want to be people that use words to help people, to heal people, to bring band-aids to people, and not use words to hurt people, to harm people. And these words harm people. They hurt people. 
They're not, they're not good words to use. Not just because it's foul language and it's all, oh, blah, 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 who cares? But when you use these words, um, you are using words that bring harm and, and damage to people. And not just these words, but, but all, all kinds of, of words, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me is obviously nowhere in the Bible because it's not true, <laughs> right? It, it, it's not true. Words hurt a lot. Uh, some of the most, no doubt, impactful things that have ever you've experienced have been words. Actions, sure. Actions speak louder than words. I don't know. Probably not, actually. Words have lasting impact. And things that have been said to you or, or about you have extremely lasting impact. And so I, I have three uh, points tonight. Number one is from James and from basically the whole book of Proverbs, which is the power of the tongue or the words you use. Secondly is the better word of Jesus. And then the, the third point is, I just kind of named freshwater tongues, which comes from the, the last part of uh, James chapter uh, three here, verse 11, that I'll talk about at the very end. Uh, and so number one, the power of the tongue. You see in, in chapter three, uh, James says, um, he says, uh, verse three, he says, uh, if we put bits into the mouths of horses, so that they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So also the tongue is a small member, and yet it boasts of great things. And he says, how great a force is set ablaze by such a small, such a small fire. And so this idea in with the horse is, is this, uh, this bridle that you put in the mouth of a horse to direct it which way to move. If you're riding a horse, then you have to have this to actually make the horse move left or left or right. It controls them. The rudder of a ship obviously controls where the ship goes. It directs where the ship goes. Um, it, it's so important. That's what, the, that's what uh, the member of your body, meaning a part of your body, the tongue, your mouth, that's, that's what it does. It is a very small part of your body, right, physically. And yet it packs the most punch. I'm using words right now. And on average, most people speak about 10,000 words a day. There's nothing you do more than speak besides even breathe, right? You speak so many words every single day. And the words, the words have so, they have so much power. Proverbs 18, 21 says this, death and life are in the power of the tongue. Death, death and life. Words can bring death. Words can bring, words can bring life. That's a lot of power. And the Bible means that not just metaphorically, but, but literally. That, that words spoken over people, words said to people can bring them death or they can bring life to, life to people. That's the power of the tongue, the power of your words. They create um, realities. They name things. That's what words can do. A corresponding verse, and this is where the title of the message comes from, uh, Proverbs 12, 18, this is the verse that we use with our girls, and we use the Band-Aid and sword metaphor. So we have Band-Aids for them, and we have fake swords for them. And we basically say, you can choose today what type of uh, instrument you want to be for the people around you. Pick up Band-Aids or pick up swords, okay? It's cheesy, but it's effective, and it works, okay? Here's what it says. Proverbs 12, 18, there is one whose rash words are like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. 
rash words, harmful words, hurtful words, just kind of uh, words you said without even sometimes thinking about it or with thinking a lot about it. Rash words are like a sword, but the tongue of the wise bring healing. And so uh, you probably, I hope you've not been stabbed by a sword. Uh, but if you do, if you've been stabbed by anything, then you, you get stabbed by something and then uh, it gets taken out of you. And next thing you know, you have this huge scar wherever you got stabbed, right? And so you have this wound in you from the thrust of a sword. And just because the sword is taken out, the wound doesn't go away. And that's what the, the writer of Proverbs is saying. Like words, they come at you, they pierce you, they hurt you, they hit you. But just because the person quits talking doesn't mean that the wound goes away or the scar goes away. In fact, it remains like a lot of scars all over our body for a long time. And so these moments of impact where words can just absolutely just level you and then the person goes away or the conversation ends or, or whatever you heard, it just, it, it kind of disappears. And yet the wound from that conversation or that word, um, it stays, it lingers like the wounding of a sword. But the tongue of the wise brings healing. So for all the wounds that people uh, just pick up over their life, that someone of wisdom who's following Jesus, actually with their words, they bring healing, right? They bring, how we use it as band-aids over all the wounds that words can bring. Be somebody that, that, that actually is a band-aid bringer. And so that's why I have uh, band-aids for you uh, to, uh, to remember. So um, what I, I want to do is... is uh, use this, okay? And have you guys interact with me uh, on this first point. So here's what I want to do. And um, so you don't feel put on the spot. Uh, what I want to create here on this first side is just create, we're going to use some words that are sword words, okay? That are hurtful words, that are harmful words, right? Like things that you don't have to say you've ever said. You can say where you've heard were said to somebody, right? Or someone around you, maybe at some point. So do you saw on Instagram or TikTok? I, I've seen this word before, okay? You don't, just because you use the word, no one has to assume that you have actually used that word, okay? That we're not gonna do that. I just wanna put some words on the board here to get some of this going uh, so we can see. So when you think about words that wound and words that, that harm, right? Um, what are some? I'll start. Something like, you are, mm, let's say, too much. You're too much, right? That's a sword word. That'll stick with you, right? What else? You'll never live up. Yeah, that's good. What else? No one cares. Yeah, that's a sword right there. What else? I hate you. I hate you. Go away. Go away. Yeah. Ooh, that one hurts. What else? <clears throat> what? You destroy things? Mm. Couple more. I wish you'd never been born. Look at my beautiful handwriting. Mm. 
What? You're a disgrace. Your apostrophe are yes. You are a disgrace. Yes. What else? What else did I have? Uh, your disappointment. I have no idea. Maybe that. Anybody else? You're worthless. Their handwriting is getting worse the further down. I don't know why I wrote these so big, and then I had no more. I had no more room left at the end. That was uh, a sword word. Not smart, RD. Not smart, right there. Um, yeah, you guys had. Uh, I'll put. Uh, you're stupid. Ugly. You smell. What? You smell. You smell. Well, sometimes. Sometimes people do have to take a shower. That doesn't have to be a sword word. That can just be a truth bomb on you. But there's a way to say it. That can be a Band-Aid. Okay. I mean, this is pretty good. A lot of swords right there. And we can keep going. I, I got a few more, but we, we get the point. Um, you, get, you guys get the point. Let me leave this here. So the, these, are, these are words, and these are things that are, that are uh, said, uh, and people hear all, uh, all of the time, and you hear them all, all kinds of places, and sadly, maybe it can be from, uh, uh, from parents, it can be from siblings, it could be from teachers, uh, it could be from aunts, from uncles, it could be from friends, it could be from, from professors, it could be things that you hear people say, or things that you feel like people would say if they could say words out loud, you just pick up from their body language, or from if you feel like you're included or excluded from things, it's like, I know you've never said these words to me, but I feel these words from you. Right? We, have, we have things like this. And th these things are very, very wounding. I mean, I'm now 30. I'll be 37 on Friday. And I have um, several words and phrases on here that have been said to me, uh, and, and a few of them back when I was 10, 11, 12 years old. I've been walking with Jesus since I was six years old. And there's still phrases up here and some other ones I didn't put uh, that still affect me, that I still can think about, that I get triggered by when someone even mentions something that I just, I can go back to a conversation or what someone said to me, even in a joking way. Sometimes that can be the most kind of, uh, the hardest thing is when someone's joking, but we all know there's a lot of truth when we use, use, when we use humor. And so these are sword words. Um, and my, um, uh, my, my encouragement and challenge to you as, as people that follow Jesus is, is to just do everything in your power uh, not to use sword words, words that, words that harm. Even sometimes when it just feels like I have to say it, I'm so angry, I'm so upset, I'm so whatever. Like the words linger far after you say them. And just because you say you're sorry or you apologize doesn't mean that it, it always goes away. Harmful, harmful words, tough words, right? And, and there's a reason that there's so much power in words. It's not just because human beings say them to each other. It's because the enemy, Satan, he uses words as well. And so anytime that, that he can take phrases like this or words like this or, or things like that and just add so many more layers to it that cuts to the core of who you are, then he will do that. 
right? He, he, like if the first uh, words of the whole Bible was God speaking, let, let there be in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God speaks creation. Then the, the language of the enemy of Satan, he also speaks. Did God really say? He casts doubt on everything that God says, right? And if his mission is to steal, kill, and destroy you, he will use words to do that. And he will use words of people that you trust or that you love to really harm you and to really hurt you. And so it's not just a kind of a, uh, a neutral uh, reality that we're in where words just kind of land on us, but the enemy just takes them, churns them up, and they, they have so much more lasting power because he wants us to feel shame or to feel guilt or to feel like this actually, th- these are actually who you are. And to think about that, to meditate on that, and to paralyze you. And so I know, I know not, not so many, but more people than you would think who've been following Jesus, walking with Jesus, and they're paralyzed in their walk with Jesus because they live in these lies and they can't get beyond this. Right, this word is a, a stronger word than the words of Jesus because of how hurtful and harmful that it is. Because the enemy is just, it just accuses us of these things over and over again, particularly like when you sin, when you fall short. It's like, well, you are that sin. Or you, uh, God, God doesn't love you anymore. Or if you really love Jesus, you wouldn't struggle anymore. X, Y, and Z, all lies from the enemy. That's his native tongue, Jesus says. He just lies. He lies. He's lied from the beginning. And so, you know, without, um, not, not only to just kind of, you know, say words that have been spoken to you, but also words that you guys have used, right? Words that you've used to other people, harmful words, uh, careless words, words to wound people, you know, particularly when you get wounded, right? Hurt people, turn around and hurt people, right? When words are used against you, what do you want to do? You want to use words back. Very, very reactive we can be. And it just has this cycle where you get hurt by words and so you want to hurt somebody else with words, right? Someone puts you down, you want to put somebody else down. There's just this absolute, this cycle, right? And kind of this, this, this little bit of a, what I'm going to phrase like a Cain and Abel cycle um, where there is just, um, uh, in the Bible, uh, Cain <laughs> kills Abel and then Abel's blood cries out from the grave for vengeance, cries out for, for justice, for, for, for getting even. Uh, and in Hebrews 12, 24, uh, the writer of Hebrews says this, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Now, what does this mean? And this is kind of my second point, the better word of Jesus. So in, in this cycle of just sword reality and sin reality and all of that is basically this Cain and Abel cycle where uh, there's murder and there's death and then there's this, this desire for vengeance and for getting even and for using your words to hurt somebody else. And it's just an endless cycle that leads to more and more death, more and more Cain and Abel, more, just more and more and more of that. And that's the world that we live in. My goodness, how fractured it is. How many words are just lobbied across, lobbed across each other just to hurt and to harm this cycle of just like, I've got to get even, I've got to get mine, I've got to get vengeance. I'm, I'm crying out from the ground to just somehow get even. And in the end, everybody just is going to end up in the ground. And in Hebrews 12, 24, this amazing verse that we have, the sprinkled blood of Jesus that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And so without, without Christ, we're in this endless cycle of just being hurt by words and then hurting other people with our words. But through Jesus, we have, a, we have a better word, the living word, the good news of Jesus, the word spoken to us through Jesus, the Holy Spirit living inside of us. Colossians 3.16, Paul says this, let the word of Christ dwell richly within you. 
That happens through, through trust in Christ, through knowing Christ, through life of following Christ, and now there's a different reality that's living within us. And now, in a sense, like our words, our tongue is baptized, so we have a new power to use our words in a different way. Instead of just reacting and just saying vengeance or get even or do this or do that, we can just have the words of Jesus, which is peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Use, actually use those words for the sake of other of other people. And so one of the most important things you can do to begin to redeem the words of your life is to just immerse yourself in the words of scripture, in the words of Jesus, in the word of God, right? To dwell richly in the word of God, the better word. So you get out of this cycle, this endless cycle, of people just using words to hurt and, and to harm. I was uh, walking around UT campus earlier today just kind of getting stock of things and, and, and uh, overhearing conversations, which for a while, just what people were talking about on their way in between classes, where they were going, just all kinds of words. So I've heard a lot of sword words, heard a lot of gossip, heard a lot of, a lot of things I heard just walking around with my uh, AirPods out. But you know, most people, most people had their AirPods in, probably like you do, and I did for a while. So I have AirPods, love them, not here to dog them. I think they're great, use them all the time. Uh, but it's a, it's a great visual that all of us are listening to something or to someone that's framing how we live, how we think, how we talk, right? Immersing yourself in something, right? Maybe it's an audiobook, maybe it's Spotify, podcasts, maybe it's listening to the Bible on, 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 on Spotify, amazing, great. Uh, but just this amazing way in which uh, the things that we're immersing ourselves in, that becomes the things that we speak, the things that we share, the things that, that we talk about. So it's, it's just so, it's so huge. And so what, what, what I want to encourage you to do, what I want to do in my own life is to just have the words of Jesus dwelling so richly within me that my natural reaction becomes to respond with his words versus words that I would sometimes want to use in my flesh, right? I don't know if you've ever learned a new language, but for a while I learned, I knew Spanish decently well and don't know it as well anymore. But there came a point in, in learning Spanish uh, which is not my native tongue, uh, that I would hear a question in English and I would actually think of the answer in Spanish. I was so immersed in the world of this foreign language, this new language, that someone would ask a question in English, I would think of the answer in Spanish and sometimes begin to answer in Spanish and then have, they would just be like, why are you even answering? Because I was so immersed in Spanish for a few years, just I wanted to be so fluent in it, which ended up not happening because I got out of practice. Uh, but I was so immersed in it that I just began to think in a different language. And this is what it looks like to walk in the spirit, to walk with Jesus. That when things happen to you or people accuse you or you're in, you're in stress or in conflict or in grief, for suffering, that you actually begin to think in a different language, a new language. It becomes natural to you. But that's actually possible. It really is. But it's, it's spending time immersing yourself in the word that it becomes more natural to you. Just think in a different language, right? How, do, how, how did all of you learn to speak? Right, through your parents. Right, just immersing yourself, right? My three kids, just especially Leela right now, you know, she's an absolute, my four-year-old's absolute psychopath, right? She is. Uh, and she just is repeating all the words that we say and has for the last couple of years, like our big girls did as well. And just this amazing sense of they pick up and just repeat all the words that we say, right? Because they're around us all the time. We shape their language. And so the more time you spend with Jesus, the more you'll talk like him, the more you'll think like him, the more you'll, the more you'll be like him. 
It's, a, it's the same way. All right, you, got, you guys know, whatever, whatever the things that you're immersed in, you begin to talk like. There, this was, this is, again, this is, uh, I watched plenty of shows that I probably shouldn't watch, but there, a few years ago, I, I was watching a show on, on HBO that had like the most foul language. And it was such a great show. I mean, it was such a great show. But I mean, the language was like, even for me, I was like, is there no, like, just such lazy writing. Like, people do use other words, I think, uh, but apparently not in this show. And the more that I watch it, you know, you just kind of binge watch things. I mean, I, I, you know, I, work at a, I work at a church. I'm a pastor. And I would kind of walk around just for, like, and I, I would just find myself being this close to just using, like, bad words because it was so, like, immersed in me that I would just be like, hey, yeah, let's get over there to meeting, you know, and be like, I can't, I can't say that. I can't. Why would I, how would I even explain why I'm even talking like this? Because I was so immersed in far more. I mean, I was, I was watching that show way more than I was opening up my Bible. And I was so surrounded by it that next thing I knew I was thinking in it, I was using that language and it almost came out in public more and more and more and more. And I just had to say, you know what? Uh, I just, I can't watch that show. Right. Which is honestly not a big sacrifice. Give me a break. Right. And so the things that you listen to, the things you're immersed in is going to shape so much of the language that, um, that you use. Ray Orland, he says this, on the cross, Jesus loved us so much that his sacrifice deleted the damning record before God of every foolish word you and I have ever spoken. He took the divine condemnation for our lies, insults, gossip, put-downs, bragging, false promises, and griping, as well as our guilty silence when we should have spoken up. He took it all on himself and hit the delete button. Look at him on his cross, dying for what you and have said, you and I have said, and left unsaid. See him there, trust him, and you're finally free of it all. And so, yeah, the blood of Jesus speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. And so just having the meditation on Jesus, you redeem my words, you forgive my words. I want to look to you to reshape my words so that I can be a blessing to other people is, is just so important. You cannot just try harder. You'd be too, too reactive. We need Jesus to just wash us clean, to baptize our tongues again, and just say, help us use different words to people. Okay, my final point is this. You remember, uh, I think this came through in the NASB reading. It may not have, uh, but I know it comes through in the ESV reading uh, where uh, he, uh, he, James writes, um, he says, uh, no human being can tame the tongue, which is why you need Jesus, the Holy Spirit, to, to actually redeem your tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. Verse nine, with it, we bless our Lord or we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. He's basically like, don't talk like that. Don't be like that. And this is the integrity of it, the fresh water. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? The answer is no, no class, it doesn't. Fresh water or salt water, right? They don't, they don't co-mingle. They do two totally different things. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. And so to be people that actually are, are freshwater people, that the early church was a freshwater place, different language, different words, different ways they communicated, and the same for you. He's saying you got to close the gap uh, between how you speak um, and, and the, the, what God has called you to do, how he has invited you uh, to speak. You've got to close, 
close that, close that gap. And that's always, we'll talk about it more at the Forum Conference, always the work of formation is becoming more like Jesus and closing the gap between who you are in Christ and how you're behaving, how you're being, how you're acting. Always trying to close the gap between who Christ has made me and how I'm acting, how I'm behaving, how I'm talking, uh, how I'm speaking, all of those type of things. And so uh, a couple, just a final, very, very practical points for you here uh, about how to have the integrity of being, having fresh water come out of your lips versus fresh and salty all the time. More fresh water than salt water over the course of your life. A couple, a couple things. Number one, I'm just gonna repeat it. Dwell on the word of God. Dwell on the words of Jesus. Jesus says this in Luke 6. He says, for no good tree bears bad fruit, nor again does a bad tree bear good fruit. For each tree is known by its own fruit. For figs, there are figs again, are not gathered from thorn bushes, nor are grapes picked from a bramble bush. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth speaks, which is basic, like out of your heart, what's in your heart, the culture of your heart, the soil of your heart creates the words you say out loud. Right? One thing leads to the other. And so every word, the, 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 whatever, you're reaping uh, the things that you're sowing into your heart. And so sow into Jesus and you will say more things like Jesus. You will. You can't reap those things if you're not sowing into them. So that's number one. Dwell in the word, in the words of Jesus. It's so key. It's so important. I'll, I'll do this is for free. This is going to do with my talk. But you know why it's just not always the most natural thing to open up your Bible and want to read it all the time is because there's spiritual opposition to you even opening up this word. Right? The enemy does not want you to even open up the words in this book. And so if you ever are like, man, why don't I just want to wake up every morning and just read from morning until night? Why don't I just want to pour over the scriptures? Or why when you have a moment like that or a season like that, does it not last? Because there's spiritual opposition to you being in this book and having this book in you. So you got to push through that, right? And just keep showing up and opening up God's word and let it transform you. And it will. Step by step, brick by brick, right? You won't see it next week. You may not even see it next month, but six months from now. If you, if you, here's, here's a, if you commit to reading this Bible, maybe not every day, let's not be crazy, okay? Uh, but let's say a lot of the days from now until let's say Christmas. I wonder what your language would look like. I wonder what your speech would look like. I wonder what the people around you would look like. Think like that. Next thing you know, it will be Christmas. <laughs> and you'll be like, man, I remember when RD, you won't remember this talk at all. But at some point you're like, man, I wonder if I'd actually taken him up on that. What would I be looking like now? It's never too late to start. Start tomorrow. Just be in the word. Five minutes a day can shape you and change you. Do it, right? And push through when you don't feel like it because there are reasons that you don't feel like it, which are your flesh and the devil's like, don't read the Bible. Uh, okay, secondly, refuse to gossip. Refuse to gossip. Um, and this is, uh, I would be lying up here. I don't want to lie to you if I said I've never gossiped or sometimes I don't love gossiping or uh, talking about people because I do. It can be fun, a great way to just deflect stuff off yourself to talk about other people, um, but it's not helpful. The Bible condemns it and it destroys churches and it destroys people to gossip, right? It, it, it does. I love this little verse, Proverbs 18, 8. The words of a whisperer, 
which is what gossip means in the Hebrew. The words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body, which is why gossip spreads so quickly because we love it, right? This whispering, this just kind of, it's great to be in the know and not have it deflected against you, right? But it's been said before, right? If, if someone gossips to you, they gossip about you. Right? And so to just not have a culture of gossiping and just saying, you know what, I'm not going to participate in that. I'm not going to speak about that. I'm, not, I'm just not going to do that. I'm just not going to do that. Just that would be, that would be so life-giving. And I, I, this is one I always feel convicted of. And sometimes I'm like, I'm not going to put them in the talk. It's too, it's too convicting. But here it is because it helps me remember like, yeah, you can feel good to gossip, but it's not honoring to God and not honoring to the person you're gossiping about. Right? It's a sword behind their back. It's not life-giving, right? But that's an integrity thing, closing the gap between fresh water and salt water there. Uh, thirdly here is honestly just say less. Just don't talk as much, all right? If nothing else, just, just speak less. Um, the Proverbs talks over and over again about how a person that uses a lot of words is a fool, AKA an idiot, right? Use fewer words, listen more. That is like, so key. Some of you, that may not be a problem because you don't use a lot of words. That's okay. But, but a lot of us, like me, can use a lot, a lot of words. Proverbs 17, 27 through 28. This is amazing. Whoever restrains his words has wisdom, and he who has a cool spirit is a man of understanding. Even a fool who keeps silent is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is deemed intelligent. That is an amazing verse. So it's basically like, this person is an idiot. If they keep their mouth shut, nobody knows it. Right? So just keep, sometimes it's just better to just say less. Right? Just say less. Smile more. Okay, fourth, speak the truth in love. Speak the truth in love and don't be a jerk. Okay? Don't, don't, don't be a jerk. Speaking the truth in love, an amazing way, an important way to use your words um, and just know when to do it. Um, and also know what type of tone to take when you do speak the truth in love. So key. Not, not everything has to be dropped at one time. There, there, there's uh, an apt word is so important, right? <clears throat> to confront someone, say it at the right time, and say it in a tone that is life-giving and winsome and humble and kind. There is, it's not helpful if you can speak to somebody, but they don't receive it, right? We want to be people that can have a gentle tone, say things at the right time so people can receive it. And they still may not, but you tried. Okay, last one is, is this, um, and this is so key, and I, and I hope is going to be true of your life, is through your words to bring life and to bring blessing and not to bring cursing or to bring, to bring wounding, right? To be a person that brings blessing through your words is it, such, such a gift. Um, Proverbs 16, 24, gracious words are like honeycomb, Sweetness to the soul and health to the body, Proverbs 16, 24. Bring encouragement, Proverbs 12, 25. Anxiety in a man's heart <clears throat> weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. Just great verses. Anxiety weighs you down, but a good word makes him, makes her glad. And so to be, be somebody, you think about tomorrow. What if you just sent, well, you sent one text to somebody tomorrow that was encouraging to them? that honored them, that brought blessing to them, right? Is anyone suffering from encouragement fatigue? You've been encouraged too much. 
You've been uh, rejoiced over too much. You've been made too much of, right? Nobody, <laughs> nobody has, right? You, oh, I love, I'm a words of affirmation person, so I do love it, I admit that. But I think everyone, it just feels good to be noticed, uh, to be paid attention to, and then to respond to that. So send a text, right? <clears throat> Leave a voice memo, write a letter. Be crazy radical, write a letter, right? Those things you can keep even, even longer. Bring blessing where you go. I'll close with this verse, Psalm 19, 19, 14. Um, David says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. And so my, my hope and prayer for you guys in the, the, your lifetime work, my lifetime work of taming the tongue is that you would be people, if nothing else you hear from me tonight, is that through Jesus, right, he has healed you of your scars, of your wounds, right? He speaks much better words than all of these words over your life, right? God bless you. Uh, and through him, you have an opportunity to use, to use Band-Aids to bring healing where there's just a lot of pain and brokenness. And so you have 10,000 words tomorrow. You have 10,000 words you get to speak tomorrow. All right, what impact are they going to have? What type of blessing are they going to unleash? How much influence you have through what you speak, through what you write, um, through what you text. I pray you use it in a way that brings glory to God and blesses people and encourages them in their journey. All right? Band-Aids, not swords, guys. Lord, we just pray um, that we would, um, uh, you'd give us strength <laughs> to um, not just react, um, but to think in light of your word and respond in that way. And for everyone in here that no matter what words have been spoken over them, you speak a final word and a better word over them, a better word than the wounding words that have been said over them or that, that we have said. You forgive us of that, Lord, and you challenge us to use better words, life-giving words, honeycomb, band-aids. So what I pray that would be true of college life and all of the places that, that these students in here are, Lord, that tomorrow they would use their words to bless, to uplift, to encourage, um, and not to tear down, to harm, or to... Or to um, to belittle. Only through your power, Lord. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.